Pages of Pim Better Podcast. What's up, Voyagers? This is the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast. Thank you for tuning in. This is episode number 90. I just arrived here in Taipei, Taiwan. You know, I spent two months in the end in Jakarta and had a really amazing time, put out a lot of really cool content, met a lot of great people, and I know I have to go back. Uh, I already started booking some more episodes for when I do return. So it's really cool to kind of have a little community and family now in Jakarta that I'm a part of. I recorded this episode last week. The guest today is Fabian Hidranto. He is one of the owners of Urbane, which is a streetwear brand in Jakarta. I had noticed, I think first I saw Yako kind of repping their stuff. They've got these shirts that say, uh, you know, Jakarta versus the world, Jakarta versus everyone. It's really like a pro Jakarta focus. And now they also just opened up a branch in Bali with like a pro Bali focus. They've got a lot of really cool designs that uh, borrow heavily from like hip hop and basketball and urban and street culture in the United States. And that's what kind of drew me to it was that connection to the United States. Fabian's a really cool guy. We talk business, we talk the brand, we talk Indonesia. I had a really great conversation with him and a great time at their office in South Jakarta. So thank you to Fabian. Go to the show notes and you can check out the links to check out the brand and to kind of check out. They, they also have uh, an Instagram account and a YouTube show where they talk about sort of like street urban youth culture and, and fashion and uh, music and all the kind of stuff that goes along with that. So check out the show notes for all that stuff. In this episode, we talked about a collaboration with a member of the band Slank from Indonesia. So before you get into the main conversation interview portion, you're going to hear that song. And right before that, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the article that I just got published. I allude to it in the conversation with Fabian, but Tempo, which is a bit like Time Magazine, if you're from the States, they have a weekly news publication and they do a version that's a little skinnier that is for English readers and it's Tempo Indonesia English. Tempo Indonesia English published an article that I wrote about Dewi and Nigel, who were both on this podcast, who are both amazing Indonesian Americans living in Queens, New York. Dewi has a uh, once a week restaurant of sorts within Indo Java Grocery. She used to have um, a, a regular restaurant that served food, you know, for nine to five crowds, but um, she closed that and now she's got this really cool setup where she's got just two tables and she cooks for um, a lot of Indonesian Americans and a lot of foodies in general. Nigel has a has an Indonesian uh, pastry dessert business that he's done at a lot of pop-up events and night markets and now is going to have like a brick and mortar shop as well. And he also has a design firm. They're both really awesome. Uh, they do a really amazing job to promote Indonesian culture within the United States and on social media. And uh, I wrote an article about them and it was published. So what I'm going to do, because I'm proud of it and I'm, I'm happy to share their story, is I'm going to read that conversation right after this intro. So it'll be the conversation and then the song by Slank, 
and then interview. If you don't want to hear me read the article and you don't want to hear the song, if you're going to skip one of those, skip me reading and listen to the song. Or I'd prefer you listen to both. But if you're going to, if you're going to skip them, just you know, fast forward about 10 minutes and you'll, you'll get into the conversation. I do want to mention before I sign off here that if you're able to support the podcast financially, you can do so on Patreon. That's a subscription-based service. It's patreon.com slash the voyages of Tim Vetter. If you are not able to support financially, don't you fret. I get it. You can still support by leaving a five-star rating and review on iTunes or the podcast application of your choice and subscribing and talking about it to your friends and all that good stuff. All right, so here it is. My Tempo Indonesia article, the song by Slank, and then the conversation with Fabian Hidranto. A taste of Indonesia in New York City. In Jakarta, I am quite obviously a foreigner. I am an outsider to Indonesian food and culture. Though I am learning, I still may not know all of the nuances and subtleties to daily life in Indonesia. I often do not know the best or most famous place to eat Soto Batawi or to find the best Indonesian kopi. I often fumble my way through conversations with my limited bahasa, and ordering food sometimes takes a bit of guesswork. But there's one thing I do know, and it's what tastes good to me. And in Indonesia, it all tastes good. I recently left behind a life of stability in Brooklyn, New York, to pursue my dream of long-term nomadic travel. I currently find myself in Jakarta for the second time with an aggressive hunger for Indonesian dishes and delicacies. I've wandered bleary-eyed down side streets in the morning in search of burbur ayam. I have gorged on late-night sweets like pisang goreng, lupis, and kueh ape. I brushed the sweat from my brow from the heat of nearby walks and gritted my teeth through the oh-so-good pain of a fiery sambal. I've been offered pig's trotters, cow brains, bats, and I've eaten them all. Combinations that may seem strange to friends at home, such as guava with mayonnaise or hot tea with cheese, I've tried it all. In the past, I was only able to spend a limited amount of time on travel. I spent the past three summers trekking my way through Southeast Asia. I've swam in the running waters of Kwangsi Falls in Laos, sat street side, drinking cold beers in Hanoi as motorbikes whizzed past, tattooed my flesh with bamboo in Chiang Mai, and tasted the candy-sweet, crispy skin of a suckling pig in Gyanyar Market outside of Ubud, Bali. Returning home was a depressing affair. When you fall in love with a place, leaving feels like an abrupt divorce without a prenup. Home could not provide for the experiences I had come to love. I would walk the streets of Brooklyn at night longing for a garangan cart to fill my after-dinner need for a fried food fix. Portions of fish would be served without heads, bones, or scales. And I would prod at it with my fork, wishing I could be picking the meat clean from the bone. I could drink a bottle of hot sauce before it came close to producing the amount of heat that a single serving of sambal would. It was always a bleak, unforgiving return. My most recent return after the summer of 2017 left me longing for Indonesian meals like an addict suffering through withdrawals. Salvation arrived for me in late winter. I was queued on to Indojava, a small Indonesian grocery in Helmhurst, Queens, that serves up meals at a single table on Tuesdays, calling itself Warung Salasa. The meals are cooked 
by Chef Dewi Tajjari, who previously had run a restaurant in Elmhurst, but now provides the Indonesian-American community with a fortress of solitude every Tuesday. This is not the typical mie goreng staples that you would find in Indonesian restaurants in the States. Instead, Dewi prepares dishes from throughout the various Indonesian islands, providing guests with incredible meals and an education about Indonesian food culture. Nasi bebek, nasi ulam, tahu champur, nasi lode, lontong sayor. Food so good your brain will be swimming in endorphins. If you happen to miss Dewi on a Tuesday, you can return to Indo-Java on Thursday nights for Warung Kamis, your second weekly opportunity for authentic Indonesian food. My first visit to Warung Salasa reminded me of sitting streetside in Jogja when I ate nasi gudeg and talked with strangers who wanted to share food and stories long into the night. Dewi and company welcomed guests, often total strangers like myself, like they were family. She shared stories answered questions, and served food without missing a beat. It was representative of all the wonderful nights I spent in the company of friendly hosts in Indonesia. Still now, I message Dewi from overseas, asking questions and consulting with her about Indonesian dishes. Shortly after discovering Wawrung Salasa, Dewi and a fellow blogger friend, Greg Victor, who blogs with his girlfriend Jumi, under the moniker Food in Footprints, made note that I must try the magical Indonesian desserts that Nigel Sialagar was making through his company, Moon Man. I found Nigel's Moon Man food stall at the Queen's International Night Market in Flushing, Queens on a chilly Saturday night and instantly fell in love with his desserts. Nigel and his company make coconut pancakes, steamed pandan cakes, and baked cassava cakes. What gripped me was not that the food was just delicious, which it is, but that I felt like I was transported back to the streets of Indonesia, where I was eating from a late-night food cart. These were flavors that I dreamed about during the cold New York City winter nights. Nigel is serving up comfort foods that my friends in Indonesia turn to whenever I ask them to take me somewhere new. It's the food that makes them nostalgic for their own childhoods and makes me wish they had been a part of mine. Much like Dewi, Nigel is a curator of information about food culture in Indonesia and the broader Southeast Asian region. His social media accounts inform his followers about all of the delicious eateries where they can find authentic, close-to-the-source meals in New York City. He promotes the real thing, the bites that Westerners have in the past overlooked but are increasingly warming to. Bones, chewy bits, offal, tendon, the stuff they're soon to love. His pictures and descriptions can send you salivating into New York's neighborhoods as you discover the hidden food gems that he promotes. At a time in the U.S. when nativism appears to be making a recurrence, it makes me happy to see New York City's multiculturalism promoted and appreciated, which reflects the true spirit of what it means to be a New Yorker. His promotion of Southeast Asian food also connects New Yorkers to people across the globe. While Rung Salasa and Moon Man or a home away from home for Indonesian Americans who are longing for familiar tastes and for travelers who are itching to be satiated and reminded of their time spent in Indonesia. It may be impossible to recreate a visit to Borobudur or Kawapute, but Nigel and Dewi can recreate memories and moments through food. For me, they are a comfort knowing that when I inevitably return, I'll still be able to eat the meals that I have grown to love. More than that, 
I know that I will be welcomed as family, as I so often have in the cities and towns that I have traveled through throughout Indonesia.
Well, first of all, man, I want to thank you. I know you're a busy guy, so I appreciate you, you know, giving me your time today. I'm not that busy, but thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, one of the first things I was going to ask you is sort of, you know, placing you, because I want to build up your story a bit and then into the brand, placing you in a certain context. So you told me that you grew up for a portion of your childhood in the States. Yes, in Virginia. In Virginia. So you were born in Indonesia. I was born in Bandung, yeah. Bandung, Indonesia. And then I moved to Jakarta when I was in the second grade. Okay. And then after sixth grade, so going on to seventh, the whole family moved to Virginia Mm. until second year of college. And then we moved back to Indonesia. So what were you going to college for? Um, I tried automotive Mm. and then design. And then I just didn't know what to do, like in college. Yeah. So I ended up moving back here and then took um, film production. Oh, really? Even even with film production, I didn't really continue it. Yeah, yeah. Did, yeah. did you work in that industry for a bit though? Um, internship here and there. Yeah. But really couldn't handle the, uh, the long shift because mm-hmm. they finish like at five or six in the morning usually. Yeah. And if it's a big screen... Usually the shoot is around a month and it just it wore me out. Yeah. I, I couldn't do it. It's funny because it's a, it's a reoccurring theme on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, do you listen to like Gary V at all? Do you know who he yeah, is? Yeah, I know Gary V. Yeah, okay. I've, I've bumped into his clips on Facebook a lot and on Instagram. Yeah. I, I don't really know. I don't really watch him like a lot. Well, he talks, I mean, he's an entrepreneur and he yeah. talks a lot about, you know, pursuing your passion in life and yeah. it's less about making a whole lot of money and more about... Being able to live and work in a way that you're happy. Yes. I and so that's, that. yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think like a lot of my guests that I've had on here and even a lot of the listeners who reach out via email, they're interested in that as well. Yeah. So I'm assuming then that that was sort of the vision for you where it's yes. like, I'm not happy with these jobs. I want to find something I could be happy in. Yeah. I mean, I make enough, but it makes me happy, you know, mm. it's not like a burden when I go to work, uh, and also because it's my it's my own hustle, it's my own company. Mm. So, man, if my if my wife doesn't stop me working on weekends, <laughs> I would work on weekend, you know, because it won't feel like working. Yeah, that's the beautiful but, thing uh, too. Yeah, man. I mean, I can't afford buying expensive sports car, but I'm happy. Yeah, I'm happy. I have enough like to buy a small car. Yeah, rent a house, provide for the family. It's good. Well, that's also how maybe you know your own wealth in, the, in your own business grows is by not spending your money on things that you don't really need, you know? Yeah, but you know how Jakarta people are. Yeah. <laughs> they got to have a s- expensive cars or yeah. a big house, you know. But, you know, to each his own. One thing I never knew, like I, I was here for a good month and a half before I realized that not everybody can even drive every day. Yeah. It depends on your license, yeah, uh, yeah, license yeah. plate. I don't usually drive my car every day, mostly yeah. just on the weekend, just because today we have a family family gathering after mm. work but usually I just ride my Vespa because it's cheaper and yeah. it's convenient you know with the traffic yeah I'm about 40 minutes late to meeting you today because <laughs> I took a car down here man yeah, that's all good <laughs> expected yeah uh, so was the vision always a brand and clothing like at, at what point did you realize that that would that would be what the company is no so the, this company Urbane we started off as a free magazine a monthly free magazine oh. but with the content of um, documenting the street culture and the and the subculture from in Jakarta because mm. every because back in 2000 2007 or eight like free magazines were huge here so oh. these big com- these big companies would just drop off their free magazines in Starbucks or any other coffee shops but mostly it covers uh, Commercial stuff, 
Yeah. And, uh, and parties, big parties, rave parties, you know. So I wanted to make something different by documenting like the street culture because mm. the street culture in Jakarta is big. Even, like the hip hop, uh, tattoo, lowriders, whatever, you know. Yeah. And that that lasted until six months because when we started the free magazine, it was it was the era where um everything from the hard copy shifted to digital. Yep. And and it was just it was just too expensive and sponsors weren't covering full production. We got maybe half by by the fifth or sixth month. And then it just died out, mm. and but we already we already left a, a good image in the in the free magazine world, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like even the biggest free magazine offered me to be their the chief editor, but really? yeah. Who's that? Free magazine. Oh, it's the called brand, the brand is called. Oh, it's called Free, yeah, free Magazine. <laughs> but uh, but I turned it down because I wanted to push my own mm. my own company. So one of my cousin gave me this idea. Why don't you just make a make a streetwear? So I just thought to myself for a couple of months, if I if I I, do, I didn't want to leave the the brand to die out, you know, because we already had a we we left a good impact. So I thought, yeah, so why not? We just tried it because at that same time, it was it was the era where the big brands from New York, like Supreme, mm-hmm. Bape, and all that stuff, would come in, but it was so it was too pricey yeah. for the local markets here. So I wanted to give them an overseas taste, but with the local price. That's cool. That's, yeah, so we've been doing just that. And for a lot of those bigger brands like Supreme, I see there's like a lot of knockoffs here, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Even even there's knockoffs for for our brands. Really? Yeah. yeah. Well, how long did it take for your brand to start to catch on? Uh, we started pushing it back in 2014. Mm. You know? We started in 2010, but from 2010 till 2014, it was just kind of like a side job. For all of us, but then at 2014, we we're just like, all right, man, we just we're just gonna put 110 into this and see if we can make make money, you know. Mm-hmm. Plus, educate people, you know, like show them show them good designs because every other local brands, yeah, you know, you know the tastes and references. Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah, it's yeah. corny. Yeah, for me personally, yeah. So I just wanted to share that, you know. I see. So, it, I had seen people wearing your stuff. I started really taking notice when I was doing research for the conversation that I was going to record on here with Yako. Yeah. Um, I was going through her social media and stuff and she had a number of the different shirts. And I was like, man, she's like really rapping Jakarta. Yeah. And then I saw like, oh, wow, this is all one brand putting out this stuff. Um, is that part of like a marketing strategy to try to link up with Indonesian artists and to push the label? Or is that just by, people like rocking your shirts? By having a Jakarta concept? Or really? Well, by having like Jakarta musicians and celebrities and things like that where, they, where the brand. Mm. Well, at first we wanted to put Jakarta on a map, of course. Mm. Uh, our biggest influence is the shirt, I love New York. Yeah, yeah. You don't really have to be from New York to mm. wear that shirt, but it can give that, 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 that confident feeling, you know, for yeah. people. And same as uh, LA, LA Dodgers hat. You don't really have to be from LA, but you just feel good when, yeah. when you have that hat on, you know. So I wanted to make something where I'm pretty much just representing the city, you know, representing the city and then putting the city on the map, let people know that Jakarta is here. And the the people from Jakarta have this character where when they go overseas or out of town, they're really they're walking around with their chest out. They want to be known they're from Jakarta. So that's where we come in. Mm. All right, I have some merchandise for you, Jakarta people, yeah. <laughs> to wear. But as far as the musician and all that, they 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 just like it. Really? Yeah. So, so that wasn't guy, a strategy. This guy, 
He's like the the Mick Jagger of okay. Indonesia. So I was going to ask about him for for Westerners who may not know. Can mm. you talk about the collaboration and, and why you chose him and who he is? Uh, cause, uh, so this band is called Slang. Slang. And they've been around since 1983. They're like the Rolling Stones of uh. Indonesia pretty much. He's like the Mick Jagger of Indonesia, but yeah. he just he's the drummer instead of the leading singer. Okay. And yeah, he's pretty much he he's the king of Jakarta City. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we already had this design before we did the collaboration. Okay. So it was just it was just a perfect match. Yeah. yeah. And he actually he actually digs our stuff. And um when we asked him why he wears our stuff, he said I know a good brand if my daughter wears it, and his daughter wears oh, yeah. brands. Yeah, so yeah, so things fell in place. So when you do something like that, like a collaboration, are you doing a limited run, or are you mass producing that? Uh, the first that release, only hundred piece. Okay. But we've had a good feedback from the market, so we might release another one hundred, just yeah. in a different colorway, cool, and cool. a different photo. Do you have a vision for a collaboration with any other specific people? From Indonesia? Yeah. Uh, uh, this this old school model named uh, Sofia Lachuba. She's okay, like, I don't know. She's like a 90s <laughs> model. She's like, uh, yeah, she's still hot today. Yeah. Yeah, she's just, yeah. Her and, I don't know. We like doing, we like we like collaborating with uh, other brands or company that's, that's not in the same field. So like cross-marketing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, we were planning to do one with a with couple of restaurants, with couple of um, shops like automotive shops, you know. Yeah, and we pretty much do collaboration just for the movement, not really, not really to sell to make money. I mean, if we can make money, it would be it would be a bonus. Yeah, but most of the time, collaboration happens just just so we can have a movement going, you know. That's cool. Like Rihanna and Puma, like yeah, exactly. Who buys that? Yeah, but they're doing something, you know. It's a movement. That's how we would look at it. It's funny though, because it is a business strategy. Like, yeah. did did you pick up on this stuff along the way, or did you go back and sort of like educate yourself in business? Um, actually, one of the owner, who is my cousin, my older cousin, he he know he knows more about the business and the marketing side, mm. about the collaboration. Okay. Yeah. One of the things is um, Indonesians are are really proud yes. um, of Indonesia. Yeah. And then the other thing I've noticed is they're very proud regionally. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons why this works. Yeah. Because people from Jakarta want to say, make a statement, hey, I'm from Jakarta, check yeah. this out. Like, here's here's my swag, right? Yes. I saw that you just recently opened up um, a portion of the company in, in Bali, right? Yeah. Last weekend. Ah. What was the, the decision that went into that? You saw a market and was like, okay, we can, uh, we can sell here? So we've had numerous amounts of direct messages on our mm. Instagram requesting like, um, you should do this city, you should do Bandung, you should do Malang. So we took we took all that in, but I think I think the the other city or the other island that fits in for us to produce or to expand was just Bali, because mm. Bali has a lot of tourists and I don't know, just something about Bali. Yeah, I was gonna ask about that actually, like the. The sort of like boule factor, right? Bali yeah. to me makes sense because, you know, at any given time, like a quarter 
to a third of the people that are actually on Bali are from like Australia or America. Like they're, yeah. they're tourists. Yeah. Yeah. For Jakarta, like how do you feel about like uh, a boule walking around with like a, you know, Jakarta versus everybody shirt? Is that cool? Well, I personally don't mind. Yeah. I mean, if they represent it, it makes me happy, you know, cause yeah. they're proud. And I, so we, we've, we've had some families or relatives that, bring back all of our merchandise back to the States or to Europe, you know, for yeah. like their cousins who are Caucasians. Yeah. Or their Caucasian friends that have spent years living here, stuff like that. So I don't I don't really mind. I like it. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Do you do you think maybe that there's a market overseas for like Indonesian American communities or like Dutch Indonesian communities? Yeah. So we went we went we went, we participated in in, uh, in this the biggest Indonesian festival. That was in in Holland, in oh, Den Haag, really? in the Hague, they call it. So we, we participated in that last year. Why we went there? Because there's a lot of Indonesians there, you know. Hmm. So we participated in the event for two weeks. And after we left, we've had a couple of people that are visiting from Holland. They come here and purchase our stuff. Also in Australia, because a lot of Indonesians are in Australia. Yeah, too. yeah. Yeah. So those two countries have been oh, really supporting. How about Indonesian expansion in the sense that now you have Jakarta, you have Bali. Is there ever a future in a Surabaya versus everyone, um, uh, Palembang? Like, <laughs> are, are there ideas to expand within Indonesia? Um, I mean, the idea with Jakarta versus everybody, we ex we wanted we wanted other other people in those city to create their own. Mm -hmm. You know like create, create a brand that represent their cities too. I so see. not really rely on us. But if the request is big, we might just do it. But yeah. not Bandung, because Bandung hates us. Why? Ah, soccer, rivalry. Oh, really? Yeah, just everything with Bandung and Jakarta has always been, it's always been intense. Oh, man. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, we were talking about designs earlier. We were saying that, you spent a you know a portion of your life in Virginia. Yeah, I saw the Jakarta is for lovers shirts, which is a yes. a play on the Virginia is for lovers. Yes, uh, it does seem like there's a lot of like throwbacks or uh, you know homages to the states. Yeah, um, you've got a Supersonics kind Create, of uh, uh, Jakarta Superchronic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So the influence and inspiration came from the states. Most of the most most of them, because yeah, I grew up there. Yeah. So yeah, I just want to share it with the people here, and just give them another option of of taste of clothing. You know, in clothing. Yeah, and is I mean, it seems like maybe there's a there's a bit of crossover between like you know, hip-hop urban culture yep. in the States and Jakarta. If we're talking about, again, like in more recent years, like skateboarding's crossed yeah. over into like the world of hip-hop, but yes. even like basketball and street culture and stuff like that. Yeah, mm. yeah, it's really big here. Yeah. I mean, the underground hip-hop is big here. So, uh, one or two rappers might blow up in the commercial, in the mainstream. But as far as the... Uh, Underground scene, it's Jakarta got a huge underground hip hop scene yeah. and a street culture. You know, you really have to go in there and dig to to meet the people. So, is that where you're going when you're when you're not working? No, I just stay at home. No, oh, no. <laughs> used to used to be there, but yeah, no more. Uh, <laughs> um, I hope this is okay to ask. Uh, we can cut it if it's not. Anything is okay. To ask. All right, cool, cool. So you've got the the super chronic shirt. Yes, in the states. Um, weed culture is becoming sort of normalized because in a lot of places, 
um, it's becoming legalized. Yeah. As a foreigner in Indonesia, you hear things like, oh, heavy punishments for, for use, right? Um, possible punishment by death. And so it's like, you don't want to talk to anyone about it. But the more I'm hanging out with artists and musicians and things like that, I see the imagery more. Yeah. I was at the Dakot show the other day, and they're a three-piece, but um, Shavrina, who sings in the band, had a, like a high time shirt. Yeah, I saw your Super Chronic shirt. Yeah. Like, is there... Is there a market for that? Is there a weed culture within Indonesia? Oh, it's a huge, huge really? market. Yeah. I mean, man, almost everybody smokes here, you know? Really? But just it's uh, not privately. talked about. Yeah, just nobody oh. talk about. Unless unless you're in the you're in that group of friends. I but see. 95% of the people that I know smokes. Yeah. Yeah. But also, 95% of those people have been got got caught before. What sort of like a punishment is there? Um, for usually people? the cops would just ask for a bail up front, a ridiculous amount of money. It's like a bribe, huh? Yeah, a bribe. Yeah. But but most of these people just pay. Yeah. I think it's just ridiculous the punishment here, you know, because yeah. as we as we know, like the countries that like um, even Australia or Europe or America have legalized have legalized it in a couple of states, and they say it's like it could be a cure for uh, cancer or yeah. whatever. But for me personally, when I used to smoke, it just made me feel good. Yeah. Not as intense, you know. And that's most of the time. That's how I, uh, that's how we came up with the designs. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I think you know, it may, it may be in a very small way, like having it integrated into fashion is a way to like normalize it within a culture, so that you know, mm. um, now it's out there and it's visible, and people don't have to be like so afraid of it. Yeah. Because yeah, like you know, the rupiah right now isn't the strongest no. in, you know, in the international economy. And yeah, it, it's weak. if there was a way to strengthen it by, you know, having a, uh, a commodity that could bring a lot of money to the GDP of this country, like that <laughs> yeah. would seem to be a positive thing to me. <laughs> yeah, but the cops, you know, they just want those dirty money. Yeah. If it was legal, I think they wouldn't, they wouldn't be as rich because a lot of cops are rich from the dirty money. Mm. Yeah, I've seen that a bit, even with uh, traffic stops and things like that. Yeah. 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 Unnecessary, like, pullovers and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You guys have a YouTube account where you have some... You have an interview, like we talked about the mashup, right? The the, the collaboration. Yeah. Where you had, like, a 30-minute interview talking with him. Yeah. Um, is there any... Any idea to expand on that and to make that more of like a regular show? Like even I'm even looking at this this space that you have right here in your office. Yeah. Like this would be perfect for like a weekly or biweekly YouTube show where you like talk to people within like street culture. Yeah, this is where we shoot it. Yeah. We just rearrange it when, when we have to shoot. But um, yeah, we ju- we just recently started the YouTube channel. We've had that. We we we've been wanting to do it from two years ago, mm. but the. Uh, but the YouTube scene in the market wasn't as big, which okay. I suggested to our to the other partners back then, but they just didn't catch on. So recently, maybe around two months ago, we just decided to just just make it. You know, yeah. We've we've updated uh, three episodes so far, but we already have a um, couple of episodes lined up. But we want to give maybe two weeks gap in between oh, okay. uploading it. Yeah. Oh, so, brilliant, man. Yeah. So, but yeah, the guess is just cross market everything. Awesome. Yeah, because that kind of thing right now, 
you even it's, it's very strange to me because you know I'm I'm a bit of a new player in like the podcast world. Yeah. But the sort of like longer format conversations like this, which are now like getting into video as well, you see major people like LeBron James has a show just like that in a barbershop now. Yeah, that's the inspiration, man. Oh, really? Yeah, really. Oh, the one very reason, cool. Because it's not really... It's not really too direct to the camera, just like as you said yeah. before we started this conversation. We don't want to be like, all right, so we're back again. We, yeah. we, don't, we, we don't even want to look at the camera. We don't even want to say anything to the camera. So everything just flows. We have drinks set up. Exactly, it doesn't man. It doesn't have to be alcohol, you know, just yeah. whatever the guest likes. And um, we'll still cut it. We'll still cut it before we upload it. But yeah, so we want to make it as natural as we can. Yeah. More like a discussion. So the guests can also ask questions to us. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Instead of just us kept on shooting questions at him. Yeah, I think it's just more natural, man. Like if, if people if people see people that they identify with, yeah. it's kind of just like they're sitting in on a conversation with a bunch of their friends. Yeah. But not a lot of people know about the LeBron James show. Here. Uh, really? Yeah. It's huge, right? Back in the States. <laughs> It's big, man. And like, <laughs> you even see like, um, I think Will Smith's wife, Jada Pinkett Smith, has a show like that coming out now. Nice. It, that's why I'm really excited about Jakarta because I'm, I've been able to meet all these people like at the cusp of new media, social media, content creation. Oh. And it's exploding in one sense here, but it's also like just about to explode even bigger. Yes. Like, there's a few people I think that have, they're almost like, maybe the goal isn't just profit, but they're almost sitting on a gold mine of like yep. potential productivity. And I was looking at you guys like you, like, I guess you already are sort of like a leader in, you know, street culture. But if you did have like a podcast yeah. and a video component and the magazine and the streetwear, like you, yeah, you'd be like the supreme yeah. of Indonesia. It would be complete. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, that's a lot of work. And yeah, it is. <laughs> we need a lot of people to get all those things to function, you know? Yeah. But yeah, man, that's the goal. That's one of our goals too. That's why we started this YouTube channel because hmm. we felt like we're 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 behind. All these millennials, they're making money hmm. with the subscribers and the viewers, literally making a lot of money just yeah. by putting dumb dumb contents. Yeah. Which which people really dig. I don't know for what reason, you know? But yeah. We just we just wanna keep creating. Yeah, there's almost a niche, or like you know, there's a there's a market for everything, kind of. Here, yeah, 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 because the population is so big. I think we're like the fourth still in the world. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I was reading like, if Jakarta doesn't sink by like uh, 2030, <laughs> it's gonna ha it's gonna be like the most populated city in the world or something like that. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe <laughs> people need to get out of here. <laughs> I think we just need to even out, like in Indonesia, you know, like uh, keep developing the other the other cities too, because now it's just one sided. Everybody just want to go to Jakarta. Well, I believe that is sort of what the country's trying to do, right? Especially in the east, is to develop regions, yes. yeah, in, yeah, uh, like Palau and infrastructure. Everything is yeah. developing out there too. Yeah. How important is, are besides YouTube? Like, how important is Instagram and social media? in terms of the business and the brand? It's really important because mm. um, we have three accounts on Instagram. The main one is Urbane underscore Inc. So that's pretty much the lifestyle. We don't really we don't really do hard, hard selling over there, but we pretty much direct 
the all the sellings to our online cat- catalog, which is urbane underscore shop. That's where we have all the pictures of the articles that are uh, ready stock or available. If it's not available, then we'll take the picture down. Mm. And the recent one we just created is the urbane Bali. So pretty much all the content for that will be just people from Bali wearing the urbane Bali. Shoes. Yeah. Yeah. Right, do you know the guys uh, who run um, Belly, Belly Mag, Bali Belly? Mag, no. No? Not yet. Oh, man, you should check them out then. <laughs> should link me up. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's like a, it's, it's like a Bali culture magazine. It's less like, well, I guess it is street fashion as, mm. as much as, you know, it's a different type of a place in Jakarta, but they do a lot of like surf culture and skateboarding yeah. culture and stuff like that. But, um, they, there's like a, you guys have pictures at that like newer skate bowl in Changu that I think like maybe Vans created. Uh, concrete. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, they, they, they support it. They, they support that venue or I, I don't know. I don't know what the deal is, but we couldn't cover that, uh, the flag, the Vans flag or oh, the banner. Okay. We couldn't cover it. I think they got something going on with the Vans. I don't know. Okay. But yeah, I don't know. I could see like a, a collaboration there because they're they they put out a lot of really cool imagery and it might even be free like it's in a lot of like coffee shops and barber shops and stuff like that what is their their magazine they put it oh, out yeah. uh maybe like like quarterly like four times a year mm. um yeah i don't know if we want to go back to magazines because everything is pretty much on digital now so yeah i just mean like even getting the you know the brand in there yeah maybe maybe yeah. <laughs> So many things to do. Yeah, man. So many little, little time. Yeah. So, what's um, what's maybe the vision for the future then? Um, just keep expanding, keep producing more designs that can sell. Because mm. as far as right now, the biggest one is still the Jakarta versus everybody. Really? Even that designer is inspired by Detroit versus everybody. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So anything that we flip from. From the states, before we flip it, we always we always do a survey, always check if any other cities or states uh, have have made their own version of it. Mm. If they have, then then it's a go for us, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, this Jakarta versus everybody. It sounds like sounds like crazy. Really? Yeah. <laughs> do you do you get like? I'm sure the answer is probably yes, but do you get to create with like different colorways and stuff like that, yeah. so that you know people then would want so many colorways. Additionals, yeah, yeah. I don't. Need, I personally don't wear it anymore. Really? <laughs> yeah, none of the owners wears it anymore. Oh man, it's still the strongest one till today. Okay, what's the? Uh, I was going through again, like all your different social media accounts. What's the the barbecue jam? So barbecue jam is uh, an annual event, or not? It's not really an event. It's like it's like a gathering. Our mission is to gather all the um, all the different scene under under the Jakarta street culture. So you got the b boys. The dancers, the graffiti writers, the rappers, the DJs. Um, let's see what else. The skaters, the BMX, the aggressive inline skater, and just bring them all together to just you know party, have mm. a good time. And that's we awesome. also hold like little contests, a little bit, because that's how we attract the younger generations. You know, if it was just a party, these kids wouldn't want to come. You know, yeah, yeah. So you always got to put that bait. You know, the the little little money, the little money prize. And that's here in Jakarta. Yeah, in Kamang, actually. Oh, in skate okay. park in Kamang. Oh man, very cool. So we've been holding that for four years in a row now. And no what, sponsors. What month? 
No huh? sponsors. Usually early, early beginning of the year, February or March. Okay. Are you still going to be here? <laughs> so I'm going home to, I'm uh, popping into the States in December and for part of January, but then I got to figure out like where in the world I'm going to go. I have to come back to Jakarta yeah. because it's been so good to me. Like it's, it's been great for the podcast. Come back anytime, bro. You're Thanks, man. <laughs> yeah. I'm, like, you know, it's. I joke sometimes, like, I feel like I'm in spaces where I don't belong. Like, I mean, I'm a nerdy dude, man. Like, I'm not, like, a cool guy. And it's, like, I'm hanging out with Psycho G and Yako, and, like, I'm going to meet in these bands and stuff and, like, meeting, like, cool content creators and brand owners. And it's, like, fuck yeah, man. Like, I've I've found a little niche again. Like, I don't think we were recording when we said this, but uh, I found a little niche where, like, a lot of the people I'm talking to have a lot of media content, but it's not in English. Yeah. And so if I can sort of be a conduit to get that, you know, that message, that story to the States or to Europe. Hey, I'm yeah. totally cool with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What do you, what do you think about us flipping designs? Because there's some Indonesians that get like offended, you know? I, so I didn't grow up in hip hop culture. I grew up in punk culture. Yeah. Um, I was going to, at 13 years old, I started seeing like punk bands going to shows in New York yeah. City. And to me, I've said this over and over, there's so so much similarity to underground hip hop culture. Yeah. I mean, to the point where like it's incestuous to where like the Beastie Boys, you know, were playing punk and hardcore music. And then, uh, and so I'm used to bands doing something very similar, uh, doing like tribute designs, you know, stealing designs, sampling, sampling. Exactly. Um, and that's again, like that, that imagery and that fashion is very similar in hip hop. So, I like it, like you know. Um, I'm, Whoever does it first, right? I'm very used to it. Yeah, I mean, I guess you sort of have to navigate if there's legal issues with that and talk yeah, to of course. the companies and things like that. But yeah, I'm used to it, man. Like yeah. again, like the the Super Chronic. It's like okay, if you were, I grew up and Seattle Supersonics were still a team, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm an '80s baby, so I grew up in the '90s, and I. And I remember them and Sean Kemp. And so it's like, yeah. I see that and it's a throwback and yeah, yeah. It makes you think of your youth. So yeah, if you had something that, again, like I'm a proud New Yorker, yeah. I'm also really proud that I've been able to like uh, survive and be kind of successful here in Jakarta. So if yeah. I saw like a New York Jakarta mashup, I'd be like, hell yeah. yeah. We've used um, New York Knicks colorways before. Okay. Uh, people notice it straight away. Yeah. But, when, but yeah, when we first started out, I think, I think, it's still new to the to the to the general market to the mass to the mass that oh you're stealing this idea you're stealing this design but you know but in um in a street world world exactly that's, that's that's been going on for years so that's why I wanted to ask you how how you felt about it I I'm also I, I'm on this Gary V like yeah. freaking mindset so I'm thinking a lot about strategy lately I think it's brilliant also man in the sense that Indonesia's population is freaking massive yeah. And I, the, the article I was talking to you about, I'm going to read that at the, in my intro for this episode, but uh, I wrote an article about two Indonesian-American chefs, cooks that I know from mm. New York City, who I'm really inspired by. They've been on the podcast. Um, and so Tempo just put that out. Yeah. But so one of them is, is this woman named Dewi, and she cooks up food from like all over. So she'll have stuff from, she's from Surabaya, but she'll yeah. have stuff from Surabaya. Uh, stuff from Sumatra, stuff from, you know, Soto Patawi, Jakarta. Yeah. Um, and so in that, like, she's really, like, promoting the culture. 
and also for the Indonesian American community, community, which is largely in Queens, New York, where she lives. Oh yeah, she's providing them with like a taste of home. Yeah, and then those people again are very proud to be Indonesian, but they're Indonesian American, so they're also very proud to be from New York. Yeah. So if there's something that's marketed to Indonesian expats abroad that's also regional, so like a New York Knicks colorway or something like that, yeah. to me, from a branding sense, that's just brilliant. Still <laughs> <laughs> the Indonesians. They're creative, man. Yeah, yeah. They'll find a way to make ends meet. <laughs> do you have um, Do you have competitors? Uh, in the streetwear world? Yeah, in, in Indonesia. I, th I think there's a couple. I think there's a couple, but we don't really... Like homegrown Indonesian companies? Homegrown Indonesian yeah. companies, but... Would they they wanna they wanna they wanna make their clothing is a bit kind of like high beast stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah. So whatever whatever is trending, they would just they would just produce it, you know. Mm. But as for us, we just we just we just produce what we like because we want to educate the market too. Uh, I see. Yeah. So there's a difference, but we don't really take shots at other brands. We just we just focus on that's cool doing us. We used to take shots at other yeah. places, but then you know they couldn't handle it. It's, it's a different culture, you know. Mm. Back in the states, we just we trash talk. We yeah, but we still keep it keep it competitive, but still but still healthy, you know. Still, sportsmanship is still there. But over here, it's like if, if you take shots, they're like they get they get too they get cut. <laughs> they're just too sensitive. You know, I've I've worked in schools only in in city settings. Yeah. Um, again, I'm not from the world of hip hop, but I'm quite familiar with it. And You're from New York. That's exactly. Hip -hop. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and yeah, the the thing that you just said, like, you know, like even your friend, like like flaming your friend, or even yeah. like, you know, uh, like rap battling, like that's yeah. all that's all part of it. Like you can yeah. leave a rap battle and like without anyone's feelings being hurt, but that's yeah. just it's just sort of part of the culture. Yeah, I think the culture is just you know you know how Asians are. They are always bowing, like yeah, polite. Conservative is the sort yeah. of stereotype about you like know. yeah. So they used to hate. They used to say I'm hating, but it's pretty much it's actually tough loving, you know. Mm -hmm. But they just can't handle it. <laughs> Have you? Um, have you made any connection to like, I'm trying to think of like really big international uh, Indonesian American stars or just Indonesian stars like uh, like Rich Brian probably in the States is, you know, I think like was in the top yeah. five on Billboard. Have you um, reached out to him at all or does he represent you guys? We've tried reaching him through his um, older brother, oh, okay. but I think his older brother got his own uh, clothing clothing mm. line as well. Okay. So, so I think he's trying to protect uh, Rich Brian from rocking any other local Indonesian brand. I got you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, man. Well, first of all, before I leave today, I might try to leave with something. <laughs> I don't think you have it anymore. Oh, that was something I was going to ask before we start to close out. The Jakarta uh, City Champs. Yeah. You don't have that anymore, right? No, you don't. I didn't think so, dude. You got to remake that. <laughs> I love that. Um, we actually flipped that from Empire State Champs. Yeah. You didn't know that. No. <laughs> New York, Empire State yeah, Champs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask about that, though. Like, it, it's a bit different here in the sense that, like, people can sort of, like, reach out through WhatsApp or Line if they want to. Yeah, if they want to order. Yeah. Because they like, the, the market here is they, they like interaction. Mm. They like to ask questions instead of just going to a website and just click. They want to they ask more. Gotcha. Like, do you have this size? Do you have that size? Although 
is already pretty much clear what what are, what are the colorways available. They still shoot questions like, do you still have it in this colorway, in that color? You know, yeah. they just like to chit chat. I see. <laughs> is, is there? I know you're sort of like within some other people's shops that have yeah. like multiple brands. Is the goal to, you know, be able to walk into like Lotte Shopping Avenue Mall and like see the urban shop there, like like a brick and mortar type of place? Um. Uh, yes and no, because mm. um, Supreme Supreme did it their own way. They don't. Mm. They're not really in malls. They only have their own shops. Like only two in New York, or maybe one in New York, one in LA, and like six in Japan. So there's always like different routes of mm. um, where you want to go and where you take it. I think if you if you're in a in a mall you're considered as mainstream or commercial mm-hmm. and that's not always negative you know there's always it can it can always it can also be positive cuz you reach out to a bigger market of course not just niche market but as for us uh, i don't think we want to go into malls mm. we just want to have our own shops and few consignments here and there and also cuz the market here is with the online shopping is huge yeah, like with the Tokopedia. Yeah, um, <laughs> we we just we just launched that like two months ago, oh. and great feedbacks. I think Jack Ma owns parts of that too. Ah, uh, yeah. Alibaba. I've been uh, yeah, I've been trying to get through to them because I'm like super interested in their business model, but they're smart. It's yeah. impossible to get through to them. <laughs> yeah. uh, this this is gonna make me sound even lamer than I probably think I am. <laughs> Explain Supreme to me, because especially like we talked about knockoffs, but it's everywhere here. Like, it's everywhere. what is it about Supreme that like people just latch onto? Like, why are they so successful? We don't wear Supreme, but but we we see we see their product. You have we have to be we have to update it. We have to keep ourselves updated with their products because mm-hmm. you know uh, no matter how you want it, they're they're the number one in the mm-hmm. street in the street It's, it's it's between them or Stussy. Yeah. Those are the number ones and two. And I think, I personally think the design's not that great, but it's just that the fact that they've been around since 94 mm. and they've been doing collaboration with the high-end high-end brands. Yeah. I mean, we would love to do collaboration with, with freaking Nike or whatever high-end local brands, you know? Yeah. But as far as the designs, none of us were supreme. But okay. quality-wise, they're... They're on point, you know. Ah, oh, okay. But I think the most selling one is still the red box logo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Saying Supreme. Yeah. It's really interesting to me, man, how things sort of even move in waves like that. Like, um, I'm assuming we're around the same age. But, I'm 35. Okay, yeah. So, I'm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm right. I'm almost right there. <laughs> yeah. um, so then you would know then, too, like having a upbringing in the States, like in the, like, Thrasher, right? Thrasher. Thrasher, like skateboarding culture was never was never cool. Like you were like the dirtbag, the deadbeat yeah. in class. And champions or Fila. Yeah, exactly. They just blew up like last year. Okay, exactly. Those were like the the the, the poor kids' clothes. Exactly, <laughs> man. Like yeah, like it's the like the ten dollar gym shorts were champion. Yeah, exactly. Russell. Russell's, yeah. But it's amazing to me because again, like. A few rappers started wearing like Thrasher shirts, or even like again, like they started wearing like like punk and metal shirts. Yeah, I seen. Yeah, and again, like that stuff was was never cool, yeah. uh, and now it's just it just takes a couple people to like 
I guess, be like a trendsetter in it and to really make it something catch on. Kanye West. Exactly, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, he just got to wear a ripped up shirt and everybody <laughs> would buy it. <laughs> yeah, for, for 200 bucks. He, remember he had that like just straight white t-shirt? Yeah. Just a white t-shirt, nothing. I think it was a, a, a Gildan, Gildan shirt. Was it? Yeah. But just printed with whatever saying it was, statement. Yeah. That's wild. Because I remember somebody telling me they still had the Gildan tag. So they were just selling that for 200 because Kanye wore it, you know. Yeah. I mean, g- if I can be Kanye, uh, I'm yeah, not yeah, going right. to be a fucking hypocrite. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I don't know why I don't know why those brands blew up because I didn't wear Fila when we were growing up mm. or Russell's nor Champions. Maybe the hats because, you know, play NBA. Mm. They used to have a like, collaboration with with the with champions but i think i think uh, it's a throwback to these kids you know like yeah. oh it's an old brand let's just wear it or you know have a couple of trendsetters to wear it and then they just wear it it's funny like uh like action bronson like rocks new balances and like <laughs> new balances were never sexy to like <laughs> any sort of culture really except for like you know like dad shoes maybe yeah, yeah. um but you know yeah, it I takes one person man yeah yeah i don't get it either it's the millennial um, so I, I feel really fortunate that I do this podcast. Yeah. Um, again, like, I don't know if sometimes people think that the, when I'm like, uh, saying positive things about a guest, if I'm doing it just cause they're here, yeah. I, I'm not, I've just been, you know, I, I reach out to a lot of people, but I'm not interested in having anyone on here. Okay. Uh, I am very interested in people who are doing something creative I like to have a diverse range of people and I'm very interested in people who I really think are on the cusp of something. Um, One of the people in the article I wrote about is this guy, Nigel, and he makes in New York City, well, first of all, he has a design firm, uh, which is successful on its own, but he sells Indonesian desserts. Started as a pop-up. He does like um, uh, coconut cakes, cassava cakes, and... uh, Cassava cakes, yeah. yeah. Oh, dude, they're freaking great. I love it out there. Pandan. Uh, Padan, the green. Uh, Padan, yeah. yeah, yeah, um, yeah, man. He's yeah. very successful to the to the point where now he was a pop up at night markets, and now he's gonna have a brick a and mortar shop. Nice. And I know he's about to blow up. Like he could sell them in supermarkets packaged. Uh, I say that to say, if I come back, you know, in two years and interview him again, he's gonna be on a different different <laughs> level. I really think, man, if, if I'm back in Jakarta in two years and I sit down with you again, like this is going to be at, at the next level. Hopefully, hopefully. And I think that media component is like a really big part of it. Yeah. Well, you got to come back before two years, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anytime. Well, You're welcome anytime. Thank you. First of all, I appreciate that. <laughs> now that I know about the barbecue uh, jam, I think I want to come back for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, man, I wish you the best. Thank you. Uh, I really think it's going to take off even more. Uh you mentioned one thing, and I'll, I'll link to all of your stuff in the show notes, but uh, anything that you want to plug, social media accounts or anything like that? Yeah. Um, just our Instagram is Urbane, U-R-B-A-I-N underscore Inc, I-N-C. Uh, you can pretty much just go there, follow there, cool. and then we'll just do- link you up to the online catalog and the Bali ones. Brilliant. Um, all right, people. So do that. Thank you, brother. Thank you, Tim. Cheers. Cheers. That's a wrap on episode number 90 of the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast. Thank you to Fabian and Urbane. Thank you to all of you listeners and voyagers out there in the world. As always, folks, please, please, please take care of each other. I'll catch you next time.